Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Matt. What? What are you doing, man? I'm reading your book. Oh, man, finally? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking about doing some offshore stuff, and um, you got a whole uh, chapter in your book here called It's Always Sunny in Cebu City. It, you know, the funny thing is, it really is. So I'm I'm trying to read about it here, and um, do you even know where Cebu City is? <laughs> uh, it's not in Kansas anymore. That is absolutely true. What do you know about Cebu City? It's always sunny. This is also pretty much true. You know, it's like 75 degrees to 87 degrees there, pretty much every day all year. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading your book here, and you got a whole thing about the outsource formula. Yeah, you got a section here about um, some factors to consider. I think we should talk about these. So, I, well, I think we should go back and talk about Cebu City for just a second and where it's at. It's in the Philippines. It is, but why do you have employees in the Philippines? You know, I used to have employees here in the United States, and I still do. But a long time ago, I wasn't able to find people that we're proficient with PHP programming. And that was a hotbed for that. And that's originally how I got my uh, introduction there. Also, when I'm telling the story in the book, I was, I had gone back to school and, you know, they're always talking about offshoring, outsourcing, globalization. You know, there was one thing though, they never told you how to do it. Right. So it says, did you have employees in India and China? Yeah, I tried a lot of different places on my way to Cebu. Some with a little success and others with not. But yeah. Basically ended up really finding a home in Cebu. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is I have some employees that next year will have been with me for 10 years. It's a long time. So how well has offshore work worked for you? Because I hear horror, horror stories about it all the time. Well, you know, honestly, Matt, I've had a lot of ups and downs with it. Um, I've really had an overwhelmingly great experience with my employees in Cebu. For a lot of different reasons, um, you know, offshoring, I think in a lot of cases is kind of generalized and, you know, there's some stigmas put around it that aren't always true. And there's definitely some ones that are, but, you know, in the end, it can really make a lot of sense, not only for reasons of expenditure, but sometimes also just general time zone. You know, it's 13 hours ahead there right now. Right. That's part of why I'm so tired right now. What were you doing last night? I was conducting job interviews at 3 a.m., dude, which is four in the afternoon there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Been doing that all week. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I'm heading over there this Sunday. Really? Yeah. Can I go with you? If you'd like to, you can, but I don't think you'll probably enjoy the 20 hours of flights. Yeah. So how many times have you been over there? I've never been there, Matt. You had employees there for how long? Almost a decade. It's, uh, it's it, it, That's a question that I have been asked a lot. And I've always said, I will never go over there until I need to. So has 
for Gigabook and the other businesses that you've had, has having offshore development been a real strategic advantage to you? It has in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, it's honestly been a, a pain in the ass, largely because of the time difference. Right. Um, you know, when we originally started some of the uh, businesses we had that were related to tickets, you know, I would spend all day doing that. And then here comes six and seven in the evening and my employees in Cebu were showing up to work. And now I'd have to spend several hours either getting them started or the alternative was basically requiring some of them to stay up all night in their time and work during the day here. And, you know, now all these years later, we have kind of a healthy mix of that. And, you know, once again, there's some upside and downside to this, but I've got kind of a simple formula to determine whether or not you're getting any value out of it. What's, what's your formula? Okay. So one of the main reasons that U.S. businesses will offshore outsource to other countries is related to the cost. And the simple fact is it's just a lot less expensive to exist in some of these countries. Philippines, for example, you're looking at anywhere to, you know, six to eight times the value for $1 that you get here. So it's just a different economy. And you'll have people there that, you know, are just as skilled and as experienced as ones you'll find here. And then they'll ask you for $1,000 a month in salary. And at first, it seems you're like, how can you even do that? Well, if you scale that up to what that's worth in their reality, it's not a bad job. So it's kind of a, a interesting win-win and compromise for the right employers and the right employees. Yeah, and when it comes to software development, I've so I've never had an offshore team myself, but I've worked, I've known, of course, dozens of people that have, and usually get a lot of mixed reactions out of that. You know, and we've even had a couple people on our show that have offshore teams. Um, there was a couple of them for sure that had a team in India. And I, I think there's pros and cons with it. I, I think it for them, it works, it works well for them because the whole development team is offshore instead of part of it being here and part of it being there. Because so much about software development is about communication. And, that, and that's something that 10 years ago was a lot more of a challenge than it is now. It's definitely easier now because of Skype and Slack and all these other tools. But it's the, the issue is when you're writing code and you're not sure if you're doing something the right way, you need that kind of, you need to instantly be able to ask somebody like, hey, is this how this is supposed to work? And if somebody can't give you the answer, potentially you're just stuck. Um, and so that's where you've got to have a good team be it offshore or wherever, this is an issue even locally, if you're dealing with developers locally, um, that can quickly answer those questions, right? And if you're the only person who can answer that question, you're asleep, then that's a bad, that's a bad place. That, that can result in just days being added on to your project. However, if done right, you can also double your, the, you know, basically cut the time in half that it takes to finish a project because you can literally have people working 24 hours a day. Now, kind of, let's talk about this formula that I've got, and it's just a really easy comparison. And we'll say we have someone here or wherever they're at that makes $10,000 a month, and we're going to compare that to someone that makes $1,000 a month. That person that making $10,000 a month needs to either be 10 times faster or 10 times better. 
that's where they find a comparable intersection. Now, is that fully scientific? No, there's other factors you have to consider too, like how much of your own time are you putting in there? And that's something I, I learned really quickly. Um, in fact, so much that at one point that I found that I was spending about 80% of my time with my lowest paid employees. And I didn't really feel like that was a good mix and a good thing for the CEO of a company to be spending the majority of his time doing. So I had to make some changes and they were all related to communication. There, there's really something when it comes to you know, offshore stuff is you really learn quickly to appreciate the value of being able to point at something. Yeah, absolutely. Just stick your finger up to a monitor and say, this is where, and for those of you that can't see me right now, I'm swirling my finger around at my imaginary monitor and pointing to it. But that can be done when you're sitting next to someone in a matter of seconds. If you're trying to explain to someone, yet maybe you're just using text chat over Skype, you have to type it in, maybe you have to do a screenshot, you have to annotate it. And, you know, this stuff really starts to add up and it can slow some things down now. That probably the thing that changed my life the most was when I finally figured out how to annotate screenshots, you know, put a little thought bubble, yep. just said, like, yep, yep. make this say this or that. And, and that alone really cut down the communication problem. Now, one of the things I've really liked about Cebu City is everyone there pretty much speaks English. And it's not always as fluent as you and I are, but they certainly understand it. And it's really been helpful for communication reasons, because if you can't speak the same language of the person that you're trying to work with, oh, man, you know, there's some tools now, things like Google Translate and stuff like that, that might make it even a little easier. But you're also talking about having to dump stuff into these things and translate yeah, and stuff like good. that. You know, I mentioned earlier that I've never really done offshore, but actually that's not correct because we uh, at Stackify, we just actually hired a couple developers that work in South America. I just talked to them. In, and they're I mean, in our I, office. I know, I just talked they're to them actually, in the kitchen, yeah. Yeah, they're actually in our office uh, this week. We flew them up. Um, they just started working for us. So this is really kind of our first uh, foray into that. But I have another little side project I've been working on for a while too, and have a couple other developers been working on that from Uruguay, South America. And they've been phenomenal to work with. Right. And the there's actually a gentleman down there that kind of works as the product owner that kind of helps lead the project on like how the product is supposed to work, what it's supposed to do, all those sort of things. And he's been amazing. And I think it just comes down to finding the the right people. Sure that can help you. I mean, we, we're definitely getting more and more to a world where a lot of big tech companies even have very distributed teams where yeah. they don't really have a big central office. Like everybody just works remotely and distributed. And I, I think you can definitely do it. There's something that I've really tried to educate people on when it comes to offshore employees. And it's the fact that someone is willing to do a job for one fifth of what you're willing to do it for, or someone at your at, in your office is willing to do it for, does not mean that they're any they that they're lacking any talent. And I think that I run into that uh, kind of general stereotyping a lot when I talk to people and the thing just because someone's you know working on a different. Uh, 
economic scale that they're not smart or that they aren't capable or they aren't talented. I've actually found some amazingly talented people actually in the book that, wow, man, you quit reading it already. Now, hold on. Let me get back to it. Sorry. There will be a test on this. And well, you know, I think the thing that that's important to remember though, is, is, you know, sometimes the skills exist in other places that aren't really prevalent here. And in the book, the reason I ended up in Cebu City was, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't a whole lot of PHP programmers here in the U.S. I mean, sure there were, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And what I was trying to build was something that built web pages automatically based off of database records. And I had hired local, uh, you know, largely like .NET or HTML type programmers, and they weren't able to get this thing going. And, you know, the guy that I was working with kept saying, oh, we need someone that's good at PHP. So I put an ad, I, I started doing some research and, you know, there's a guy that, uh, a local guy here in Kansas City that owns a cleaning service. And he's been cleaning my house and my parents' house and my sister's house for over 20 years. And he's from the Philippines. So I started talking to him about some of that. I did some more research and I found that Cebu City was considered the technology capital of the Philippines. So I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. I had no idea how to, how to do any of this. So I put an ad in the paper. I got a bunch of responses. And one of the first people that replied was a guy named Rico, who, by the way, still works with me. And he asked what the problem was. And we sent him a little snippet of code. And about five minutes later, he sent a reply back and it fixed what we had spent two months being stuck on in, in minutes. And I was just, I was like, wow, I thought that was really awesome. And, you know, he ended up, you know, working for us ever since. And he's the one that'll be on year 10 after. But, you know, in order to kind of make a lot of that better, I found a couple people that I found tr to be trustable. And when I wanted to expand, I let them help me do that. I encouraged them to find people and bring them in and train them. And, you know, it's at one point I made a pretty strong commitment to being in Cebu. And the reason for that was these people could actually have a meeting. You could send one person to do an interview. You could do a whole lot of things that weren't capable, you weren't capable of doing if you had eight different people in eight different cities. So I definitely at pretty early on, committed to Cebu. I mean, the fact that it's right there on the ocean, beautiful beaches, it's always sunny, although there was a typhoon there the last few days. Um, it made me feel good if I was going to go over and visit. So 10 years later, I'm on my way. So let me ask you this. If I have a startup and I'm trying to figure out how to build, you know, the MVP version of my software, using an offshore team sounds like a pretty good idea. Can be like to help save money and get it done. And, yeah, it can be a lot more um, efficient. Although I'd really recommend using one that had a little stability and you knew what you were getting. Right. I mean, trying to just set it up out of you know thin air is a crapshoot because while you could end up with really good people, you could also end up yeah. a year later. And that goes with any kind of software development team, right? Like yep. we've we've had other people on our show that are like, oh yeah, I spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars with some. <laughs> software consultants to build my product and like it didn't work and it was crap and we've had more than one person say that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um I mean, overall whether you're hiring someone here in your hometown or overseas you really 
no matter how great they seem on paper, you really don't know what you get until they show up and do the job. Right. And I mean, that can happen. That isn't as, as, as related to geography as some people like to think it is. So yeah, well, anyway, I'm going to spend a lot of time on an airplane Yeah. and uh, I'm not, I'm not real thrilled about that part. Of well, the why travels. are you going over there? I'm going to go hire some more people. So are you, so is Gigabook just growing like gangbusters? Or like it is a little bit. It is a little bit. I think, uh, I think, you know, pro- being able to provide myself and others with some ability to access some of these, you know, development tools could be good. Yeah. I mean, I plan on doing that a little bit. I mean, you, know, you should consider having a couple people over there. Yeah. I'm, hope- I'm hoping that you'll be able to help me do that. I mean, we've, you know, we have customers all over the world, so we actually need employees that are shifted time zone wise so we can support our customers, Kindle yeah. and I and all that stuff. So now the people that you're supporting during daytime hours over there might also very likely speak the native languages of the people that you're employing yeah, around yep. the world too. Yep. So that's actually what I was talking to your uh, your guys from Columbia about was, you know, they're only one hour off in time zone. And I I see us meaning Gigabook and, you know, our future possibly being in somewhere like South America just because of the time zone. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely something to consider is, you know, if you're going to ask someone to be nocturnal, you're going to need to pay them a little more. Well, and it used to be that everybody outsourced everything to India. Yeah. But it seems like you can outsource or offshore all over the place now. And you really can. In South America, they call it nearshore. Interesting. That's what they call it. Why? Because it's on the same time zone. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's 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 little things, too, that I learned through this whole experiment. Um, and one of the things that made the Philippines comfortable for me is it's it feels very American. Like, uh, they celebrate the s- similar holidays. So all Catholic. With us. Yeah, they're largely Christian and Catholic. So, you know, they want Christmas off and stuff like that. Some of the things that I, early on, is I had employees in lots of different places. Like I remember once I actually had a deadline of something I was trying to deliver for, you know, another company and we're building it for them. And, uh, I unknowingly scheduled this in the middle of Ramadan. I didn't even know what Ramadan was, Matt. I mean, I've heard of it, but I had some developers, you know, that practice that religion and you can't get anybody to work during that. I mean, it's like forbidden, right? And here I am eating crow telling, you know, this person that I've been working with and for, I'm like, oh, by the way, we're not going to have anybody to work on. Well, I think this week is like the Chinese New Year or something. It is. Yeah. Oh, man. So if you had if you had employees in China, you'd have that. right. I I had a couple at one point and the the prevalence of speaking English wasn't as 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 high. Yeah. And, you know. I did a lot of research about what I'm going to experience potentially in Cebu. And by the way, I'm going to have to call in from there. So I'm going to be there for two weeks, man. We're going to do a podcast remotely. Yeah, I'm going to have to. You're going to be on the beach eating baloo. Oh, dude, don't even talk about that. Are you going to um, go to a cockfight? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. You know, they televise that stuff there. It's like, <laughs> it's like Monday night football. And these are some of the things that I, I'm going to, you know, it, by the way, Matt just mentioned Balut. 
and I'll give you an idea of local customs and dishes. This is a fertilized duck egg that has had 18 days to develop. It's, it's like embryo. A, it's like a ba- it's not even an embryo. It is like a little baby duck in an egg, and it looks like probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I have gone out of my way to tell all of our employees there that there is no chance I'm eating it and to not even <laughs> give it a try. But you know, you know what's really cool though is, you know, so we have four people there that have been with the company for more than six years. And I've gotten to know these folks. They're like my family. Like I have a lot of love for these people. They have I have pivoted these folks into so many different businesses and jobs that oh man, I felt really bad about it on a lot of days just because it's like, hey, you don't do this anymore, we do this. But they've done a lot of stuff. They helped us build Gigabook. And it really was touching for me that they all not only requested, but demanded the day off to come pick me up at the airport. And I said, no, 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 don't do anything special. They said, no, we're all coming. We already rented a van. And they're coming to pick me up at the airport. You know, I mean, they would be able to see me just a little bit later, but I, that really meant a lot to me. And, you know, I, I think that there's a key component that you can't leave out. And that you're going to be the tallest man in the Philippines. I, you well, this. Yes, that part. You. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm six foot four and most everyone I've met from the Philippines is about a foot shorter than me. So I might be like Godzilla when I get there. <laughs> Hopefully I don't cause any panic or stir, but you know, there, there's something that I've always been very particular about, and it's the understanding that what might be just a little bit of something for us or me could be a whole lot for someone there. Like a hundred dollar bonus is a pretty dramatic change or, or input or something that you do. Now I have kind of a cool story because, you know, Rico, our first employee, you know, somewhere around month six, I'd been trying, you know, I feel like I got to help people, other people get what they want in life. And you kind of get what you want inadvertently after that. And he said he really wanted to buy a house. So much like my parents told me in high school, they're like, if you save up enough money when you're 16, we'll match it. So I told him that and I didn't hear a damn thing about it for two years. And then out of the blue one day on Skype, Hey Matt, um, I've saved enough money and I'm ready to buy a house. And here I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I remember that. <laughs> well, he had, he had saved over, the, over that two years $10,000. And uh, this is really crazy. He wanted to buy a house and it was 20 grand. That's the total price. It was like a, the equivalent of like a 1,400 square foot townhouse. And it had a double lot, <laughs> 20 grand. So I was like, wow, okay. So having never met this guy, I sent him 10,000 bucks and I matched him and he paid me back over the next year. And I just thought that was really cool because, you know, this guy, it had been a dream for him to always do that. And I helped make that happen. And, you know, it took a big leap of faith because guess what? If if it's a good day to just disappear, that would have been it for him. And he paid me back. I actually helped him buy a car. And some other stuff. And, you know, it was just, but, but these, these little gestures like that have really gone a long way. And it, you know, it's, I think it's important to try to, you know, do what you can and, and, you know, be as respectful as you would with someone locally. So, you know, so getting back to our listeners and how this can help them, you know, what, what other kind of tips do you have for 
offshoring or that, that could really help help others out there? Well, first off, you know, go through, I go through a fairly extensive getting to know you process. Um, I talk to him several times if possible. I even try like Skype makes it very easy to speak on the phone. Um, some, some people are really great at, you know, typing and, and text in your native language. And then if you speak to them on the phone, you won't understand a thing they say. So one of the things I look for is how quickly they they reply and the thoroughness of their response. And it's not just like, it, it was kind of a joke in our office because they'd always be like, yes, Matt, yes, Matt, yes, Matt. And, you know, that's okay in certain spots, but you want to make sure that there's a level of articulation that you're comfortable with. And then the, the really the hardest thing about offshoring is accountability. If you're not anywhere near someone, it can be very difficult to keep track of and know what they're doing. So I require a daily report. And, it, and, and it, my rule is it shouldn't take more than five minutes to put together. I just want to know what you did. Now, there are some sites like Upwork and stuff like that that are pretty clever, and they'll take screenshots of that person's, you know, whatever they're doing at random times. And honestly, I've had multiple instances on that site where I've caught people basically cheating me. Um, there's a lot of ways around that. You can automate, write little scripts that just change the pages or, you know, it looks like they're doing something. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this is a pattern. So you really got to pay attention. And, you know, if you feel a high level of distrust, there's probably a reason for that. And, and it's very hard to overcome that. So just, you know, try to have an idea of, what kind of output you're expecting in X given time and try to set these expectations in, you know, a way that it's realistic for both you and the employee. So let me ask you this. You're, you're going over there next week. You're growing the team. Is there any chance we can help other people? Yeah, well, I mean, that's really has a lot to do with why I'm going over there. Because it seems like we could help other startups. I think we can. And, and, I think that it's important to for some startups to be able to have a turnkey solution because here you are. That they can trust. Yeah, well, you have, key, you right? have enough. You have enough on your plate trying to figure out how to get your business started. If you're trying to build an offshore team and trying to do all this other stuff, it can be a lot. So, you know, now that you bring it up, well, I finally rented an office over there. After nine years, I've said I've had an office, but I really had four people that were working remote. Right. I actually, uh, I rented an office. It's, it's in a beautiful building. Uh, they, no offense here, they have a nicer office than we do, Matt. We are in the basement. Yes, we are in the basement. They're on, they're on the 15th floor with a beautiful view of Cebu and, and we, the ocean. And we have no windows. Well, that's because we blacked them out for the video set that we never oh, okay. use. All right. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, part of, you know. The, Luck, luckily, my developers like to work in the dark. Right. But being on the 15th floor in a high-rise in an ocean view sounds pretty good. Yeah, tall ceilings. It's got windows and everywhere you look. It's a beautiful building. has some co-working spaces and holds up to 25 people. Are you going to come back from Cebu? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Once I'm making a contingency plan, so I'm going to leave an address on my desk. If you don't see me back here by March 2nd, I won't. can you just start sending money? <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess it's only gonna take like hundred bucks. Yeah, maybe it might. But <laughs> anyway, back to some of the stuff because you know, here's the thing: I don't need twenty five developers. No, I really only need eight. And really, part of my plan is to try to develop a turnkey system that will help select partners that you know we meaning you and I possibly might choose yeah. and, and, you know, maybe be a pipeline for our own innovation. Well, and that's what I'm excited about to work with you on is how, how we could build some cool stuff together, but can, can it help stack if I get, you know, a couple developers over there and we could uh, support our customers, um, our international customers and stuff as well um, from that office kind of create a, I'm it's calling like, a sales yeah. timeout. I'm hearing some buying signals here. Yeah. No, I think it'll, I mean, I think it sounds, you know, really good and helpful. So well, I, I think you should maybe uh, pony up with me and. Do I get to go to Cebu? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can yes. I go next winter? Yes. I can't wait. It's really funny because it's actually warm today, but I tell you what, I've, I've been wanting to go. It's been snowing here. It's six degrees it, you know the funny thing is is i send them pictures when it snows because that none of them have ever seen snow real snow yeah so yeah i think we should give this a whirl and you know i'm going over there i've been i've already been uh interviewing people like if those that are listening could see me right now i look like a raccoon i've, I've hardly slept this week because i'm trying to get so much set up do you know some of the other things i've had to do over there i just recently had to set up a corporation in the philippines yeah does wow. it make it easier than the U.S.? No, it's like it, I, if I had to break it down to one sentence, I would say same but way different. They um, they do like all the same stuff, but it's all called something different. Right. And, and, you know, with that, it's the thing that's enabled me to be able to do that is the fact that I've got two people there that have worked for me for, you know, one almost 10 years, the other eight. Right. Um, one, one of those employees ran our ticket company for years. I mean, this is as trusted of an employee as we can find. And, and, you know, she's been able to help me do a lot of stuff. It is unbelievable the level of talent that we have been able to attract at this beautiful new office and, you know, being willing to, you know, pay maybe even a little above a fair wage and just get the best that we can. And I think what's going to be really cool is, you know, not only being able to possibly help other entrepreneurs, but, I mean, I think the thing that when I when I put my head down on my pillow at night and I have beautiful little entrepreneur dreams, I think about being able to generate MVPs at remarkably affordable prices and do it so fast that they hit the market without even an afterthought. So you're saying you're willing to share your hidden little secret you figured out in Cebu? Yeah, it's not much of a secret though. There's a, There's a it's in a book. <laughs> yeah, it's in a well, a, it's in a book called Million Dollar Bedroom, which once again, Matt has quit reading. I'm sorry. You'll get to it. You've read the part where you're in it. No, I haven't. Read you that. haven't? No. You really haven't? No. You didn't even read the part with no. you in it. Okay, I want to point out that on the Facebook or on the Facebook uh, chat for Startup Hustle, there's a rumor going around that you might not be able to read. I can read code. Exactly. I know. And also, if you want to check out and join our community on the Startup Hustle Facebook chat, you can see Matt losing yet another rock, paper, scissors matchup. Oh. This time when we took our wives out for date night and I made him put a picture of the check Dude, on there. That cost me like 200 bucks. 200, well, plus tip. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that was that was a that was a tough loss. And I also want to point out it was your idea. <laughs> he not only was it Matt's idea, he literally gave his phone to the waiter and said, "Hey, I need you to videotape this." So that's right. I got you back later when we played basketball. Yeah, you did until I actually figured out how to shoot on the one where the goal was only like two feet away. <laughs> I was really good at that. It's mainly because my arms are two feet long. I was pretty much dropping it in the hoop, but I, I will go ahead and admit on the full size basket. Oh my God. You I, made three total. No. Yeah. Out of two games, yeah, yeah. two in one and one in another, you know, I played basketball in high school. I was terrible. Oh my God. I can tell. You know, the really sad thing was, is how worn out we were after that. Yeah, I might need to use this sunny environment in in Cebu to get some exercise. So, you know, and I want to kind of wrap that up, but I want to point out, you know, if you're listening to this and you have an interest in, you know, possibly doing some work with us over there, just email me, matt2ts at gigabook.com. Come proper, have an idea of what you want to do. You know, I'm I'm not really going to, probably reply to things that are a $200 project. But if you're serious about what you do and, and, you know, you feel like we can maybe make a difference and, you know, you've got something that's worth working with and worst thing we can do is look at it and you've got say yes or no. You've got a a whole team over there and you can help hire more people on the team. Yeah. I, I really think that we'll find that the team grows we want to do it in a way that doesn't break what we're already doing. But I'll tell you what, I'm just blown away. I mean, you saw some of the uh, resumes that have been coming in. These people, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, there is. And, and, you know, then you have to ask, like, why are they available? Well, sometimes projects end. You know, we have some people that are applying that have had the same job for 10 years and, and their company decided to move to India. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to one of uh, somebody else about this earlier today and, said that they were um, they were using a contractor that was like in India or somewhere and then they decided to switch you know between providers and like the the first provider like that was their only contract right. so they had to let go their entire staff because they lost the contract right so sometimes those things happen and you know and I, you're I, able to pick up those employees that are right and, and well the the fun part was is we found one that was really great and I'm not a hiring you on the spot guy. And I was, I still didn't do it yet, but I, I, you know, I was even considering it with this guy. It was just so blown away. And, you know, so I asked, are there more of you? <laughs> yeah. I think I came in this morning and I said, man, this guy either ate after midnight or got wet like the gremlins. Cause there's four of them now. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool because they're all really good. And now right. what if you get the ability to add four people to a team that have already been working with each other for a decade? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, you work with someone that long, you look at them and you know what they want or what yeah. they need. And there's just a level of, of something there. And then, you know, we also had, and I, I won't name where they're from, but, you know, I, I started noticing that we had a whole lot of inquiries of people from the exact same company. And I came to realize that, and they never really defined, I started asking, well, what's going on over there? Well, I don't really want to say they're being polite and being professional. <laughs> There's a managerial problem. Okay. Well, seven of you have applied today, so it must be pretty crappy. Yeah. And with that, they were top people. So we had quite a few, uh, really high level. I'm talking people with 10, 15 years experience, really interested in doing a great job. So that was pretty cool. So that's awesome. 
yeah, we'll kind of see where that goes. And well, I, I look forward to uh, remotely recording the podcast with you while you're over there on the beach. I'm going to call you in the local time on Cebu because if you're going to share some of the resources in this office, then you need to share a little bit of the pain. So we're going to schedule this, and I'll do it on Gigabook. So it also reminds you along the way okay. to your call. But the first one, I think, I think I feel like 3 a.m. is fair here. No. Come on, man. That's no, the afternoon man, there. No. I want, if I'm going to call you from the beach, I want to do it. No. In like a really... no, 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 no. Okay, then if you won't do that, then I'm going to bring some balut back, and you're going to eat it after you lose rock, paper, scissors. I don't think that would make it through customs. They they don't encourage that? Probably not. Yeah, well, let, we'll see how they feel about the suitcase full of electronics that I'm smuggling as well. Can you bring back some Kinder Eggs? You know, that that's actually something, and, and as we kind of move towards wrapping this up, there are some hidden surprises that you'll find as well, one of which was electronics in Cebu are legitimately 25 to 30% more. Do you know why? Nobody probably owns an iPhone. Do you know why? Because they're imported. That's correct. So, you know, you go to... <laughs> You go to buy something like, well, if you went to buy an iPod and it was 200 bucks here, you can expect it to be 250 there. And they make an eighth of his amount of money. Yeah. So it's really like $1,600 there. So you're saying that my iPhone X is probably more valuable than my watch? Uh, Yeah. Okay. It might be. It might be kind of expensive over there. I know that you're a big fan of the price model on that particular phone in general oh i love apple products as long as i own their stock right you know the the kind of funny story is my dad gave my wife and i both an iphone x for christmas and i was the one that had to purchase them together they were equal to one house payment (laughs) and (laughs) wow it's crazy yeah it is so but that's part of the reason why I'm coming in hot with a bag full of electronics to get a bunch of used laptops and stuff yeah. like that. Now, I've tried to send that stuff over there before, and they taxed it on the way in. So we'll see what we'll see if I'm just setting myself up for immediate failure. If you get a call sometime on Tuesday, because yeah, I leave on Sunday and I get there on Tuesday. And you're stuck in customs. Yeah, I'm going to, on the way out of this episode, I'm going to tell you about my departure schedule. I've got a four and a half hour flight to Seattle, a 15 hour flight to Taipei, which by the way, I had to confirm where that was. And it's Taiwan. Okay. I didn't even know. I was like, Taipei, that's China, I think. But I had to look that up. I wasn't sure if it was Hong Kong or that tells you how smart I am. But, and then I got another couple hour flight to Cebu. And then just to drive a few miles to my hotel, I was told that that would take an hour. So. All right. Well, yeah. Have fun. Yeah. I'm, I, my, okay. So as we close this out, my plan is to call you every hour and let, give you an update. Okay. On what's going on. Okay. But I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to be up during the day there. Okay. You're not going to answer any of those calls. Well, then I'll do this. I'll program Gigabook to send you reminders throughout maybe i'll do updates but yeah i don't know i'm gonna try to the only thing i get on my phone now are bitcoin price alerts <laughs> i have everything else shows. plummeting plummeting <laughs> plummeting danger danger <laughs> sell is that did i say that oh no it's usually buy because <sighs> it's already fallen yeah it's already fell so you can only go up now okay well anyway 
looking forward to these uh, next few uh, remote episodes from the other side of the world. I, I, I might even uh, put a few little bonus episodes in there uh, without you, Matt. Cause I think we want to see some video. Yeah, I'm going to work on that, too. I'm really trying to debate which camera and what equipment I want to lug around with me. I want to see some video. On, on many levels, this this will be the rebirth of my uh, of my YouTube channel, okay. which has been neglected since we started this. All right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm out, and I'm going to say one thing. Salamat. That means thank you. See you right, next see time. You, Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.